You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 62 of the Always Moto podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Hogan, and we are joined not later in the show this time, but right now by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. How are we doing, Benny? I'm all right. How are you, Dave? Good, mate. Good, mate. It's late on a Thursday night as per usual and we're uh, just kicking this thing off. But uh, this is the Always Moto podcast and we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto because, and particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. Uh, this week's show, we've obviously had the kickoff of the outdoor series at Parla last weekend. So we'll be covering all that action there for that Super Motocross series. And this weekend's round coming up at Hangtown in Northern California there. Uh, so it should be a couple of things to talk about there, Bernie. Yes, there should be. But for if you've just tuned into the podcast, it is actually episode 63. And it will show that. But Dave has said that it's episode 62. <laughs> so don't get confused. It actually is 63. Just relax. It's we're, okay. We're off to a cracker of a start. My notes are shit showing. And as I told you beforehand, I haven't done much prep for this show. This is going to be a loose program tonight. And it's late. And I've had two drinks before we started. So it's even better. Why not? All right. Let's, uh, let's make sure we get the sponsor plugs in before I do completely sh- make this a shit show. Uh, so let's go. So bringing the show today is obviously all and always has been Slantboard Guy. Don't forget we have that affiliate deal in place and Slantboard has offered a 10% discount for Always Moto podcast listeners. So if you want to get your squats on point in the gym, improve your standing technique on the bike with stronger legs, this simple piece of equipment is for you. Use the code ALWAYSMOTO in lowercase at checkout and you will save. Uh, it's a very nice piece of equipment, that one, Benny. Um, have you seen that inspection that I did on that piece actually? No, I have, and I was actually just thinking I uh, might ask how uh, your special personalised one's going. Yeah, the the, uh, the one with the nice Always Moto logo on it with the hooks on the side is actually a pretty sweet bit of kit. I, I kind of don't want to stand on it sometimes because I don't want to rub that logo off. You know, It's pretty well printed in there, but it, I don't want to make it dirty. <laughs> but it's an awesome <laughs> piece of kit. The way I can strap the bands on the, on the hooks, um, I've been getting I've been getting pretty nasty in the gym lately. I've been going pretty hard at it. I'm... I'm Pretty well ready to go, eh, on the bike side of things. And it's mostly in part because of that slantboard has helped my hip immensely with getting my strength back, which has been awesome. So, yes, it's uh, the perks of the job, mate. Sometimes you get some personalized stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it looks good. And, uh, I mean, you can just go and get a normal one too. But, yeah, you're lucky enough to get a get a specialized one. Yeah, and you can order that yourself as well. So it is possible to put pretty much anything you want on there, which is awesome. 
All right, the other one on our list that we haven't forgotten about is endurance recovery boots, and and that sort of goes hand in hand with this uh, slant board guy because if you want to train hard, you've got to recover, and if you want to maximize that training, you need to be recovered before each and every session, and the recovery boots can help you be your best for your next effort, and they have a deal in place for Always Moto podcast listeners as well. Same code, Always Moto in lowercase at checkout will save with those guys, uh, and I kind of like sitting down watching the TV with my boots on of an evening. Uh, it's a nice way just to end the night off. Uh, relax, get the, get the muscles ready to go for the next morning's gym session. It's uh, quite, quite easy. I might actually have to – I've got the boots there. Um, I'm, I'm going away for a month. I might have to send them your way and see, if you, see how you go with them. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen a few photos now. We now uh, always made a group chat on Instagram of you uh, – Showing your legs off, I guess we'll say, even though they're covered. It's but, PG, uh, everybody. Don't worry. There's no, no only yeah. fans weird shit going on here. Um, but, yeah, no, they look they look good. I'll be uh, interested to try them out. Yeah, yeah. Now, and our last one for the for tonight, uh, Tech 167 3D Printing. If you need something cool for your bike, maybe just a funnel that fits and screws straight into that oil filler cap and means no mess, then you need to check out Tech 167. Uh, they have a special code in place that you'll only hear here. We haven't advertised it anywhere else. You know, you've got to be a podcast listener, uh, and it's always Moto at checkout as well, uh, and that will save on your purchase with them. Now, this the the funnel that they've got for this. It's so simple in the in concept, in but the fact that they've obviously got to print it in three D makes it very cool. But the fact that it just screws into the oil filler cap, and you then have two hands to pour with. It's so simple. Yeah, it's it's an awesome piece of kit. If you're listening to this, chances are you've dropped oil everywhere. So one of these would be absolutely brilliant. I know I've done it plenty of times, and uh, I wish yeah, I wish I had one of these when I had my bike because it yeah, like you said, make life makes life ten times easier. Well, speaking of that, we need to fix that story for you, mate. Too at some point we need to have you back on a bike here. We can't have you on a moto show without a bike. That's all right. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> I was waiting for a um, a bit of a pulp drop reference just then, but anyway, we'll move on. Uh, as always, we still have our shirts available too. Now, if you haven't got yourself one of these Always Moto um, shirts, you need to do so. You need to, if you're listening to the show, you should be supporting the show, and that's what we have them for to help keep this show on the road. They're twenty five dollars plus postage and handling. Now, uh, if you email info at alwaysmoto.com, put T-shirt order in the subject line and send the size that you want through, we'll be in touch about payment via PayPal. Um, now, just keep in mind the shirts that we have, they are a smaller fit, so you need to go up a size or two to make sure that they are going to fit you nicely when you're suggesting what size you want from us. Uh, so keep that in mind. And then finally, too, um, if you want to just directly support the show we do donations on our paypal account um, so just search always moto on paypal and you can uh, send us a donation which would be fantastic and we will if you leave a message or a question in that donation as well in the notes there we'll read it out live on the show um, so yeah thanks to all the supporters there follow the links in the show notes or in the bios and social medias and you'll get straight to those pages uh, but let's jump into this uh review from from parlor it was a pretty interesting round, opening round for the motocross series. We're now in an 11-round series. This was round one. Uh, it was a usual parlor track. Not everybody was stoked on it, but 
God damn, did Jet Lawrence make an impact in that first 450 race for his rookie debut on the 450 ride? We all thought it, he was going to do well, but I'm not uh, I'm not sure I thought he was going to go 1-1 in such a dominant way that he did. Um, so definitely, definitely surprised me. Were you sitting there in that first moto? Like when he pulled that hole shot, I was like, oh, sick, he's out in front. But by, I think it was lap two, he had like a three or four second lead. I was just sitting there like, is this for real? Is this really happening? Like he's walking away from the field right now. Like were you thinking the same thing? I was, but, you know, he hasn't been beaten that parlor. So didn't really surprise me. Um, and, you know, like we talked about last time, um, his performance at the motocross the nations just was the same thing. He just went out and won. So there's a few factors that it didn't surprise me, but at the same time it did. Like I just didn't think it would be as easy as it was for him. Yeah, like – I just I was a bit dumbfounded in that first motor. Like the second motor made sense. Like Chase picked it up, ran with him that whole time, sat on his rear wheel within sort of a second or two the whole moto. And and that sort of was more what I was expecting. But that first moto I sort of almost had to pick my jaw up off the floor just with how far he was in front and how easy he was doing it. The the lines he was taking and hopping over certain things and like they weren't even there. It was it was yeah, it was pretty neat to watch, but I don't know if you picked it up, uh, but there was a section of the track there just after the start where they came over that like sort of they did the left off the start straight, right the U turn right over that sort of double there, but then it went to a right hander up and around a corner. Did you pick it up on that first lap that he jumped that whole corner as like a hip jump? No, I didn't pick it up, but I I'm pretty sure I saw in comments people talking about it. Um, it was on the social somewhere, uh, and I haven't actually gone back and watched it uh, to see out to, the, to see it. But yeah, yeah, to pick it up, you got to see it because everybody behind him is going through that corner on the ground and hitting all the braking bumps, and he literally hits the first one and just floats the entire corner. It's insane. I you, like most people probably won't even notice it, but like. I'm just sitting there watching that, and I, I I pick up some of those details. It's just it's just the eye that I have for some of these things because I I watch pretty tightly on on technique, and I was like, holy shit, how did he just do that? Like he's motoring at that point to try and get away, and he just floats the corner, and like like it wasn't even there. It was it was something to watch. Go back and find it if you're listening to this. Go back. It's on the first lap. I'm pretty sure it's Moto One that it's it's clear um, and. Yeah, god damn, it's it's beautiful to watch. But Moto Two, what do you think of Moto Two? Because that was a different scenario. Um, Chase, like we just said, right on his wheel for most of that moto. Um, There's a bit more of a, a dogfight there. Yeah, I think you know Chase did have a bit, um, you know, a bit of a crash in practice or qualifying. I'm not sure. Um, so come Moto One, you know, I'm not sure how he felt out of it, bit off it, um, and then got that one out of the way and then, you know, probably just got a little bit more comfortable. Um, but it'll be, you know, I those two from now on till the end. I don't think um, – I can't see anyone else getting up there. Um, and so I think it's just, yeah, going to be tight 
like they were in that race um, all year. Yeah, I think so. Um, there might be, like if Dylan towards the second half of the season stays in this healthy, he might start to come towards the back of that group because his fitness will pick up. But he's got to obviously sort out his fitness and, and the bike. Uh, he seemed to have a few concerns about that from everything that was spoken about afterwards after the race. But he might be the only one. Even anybody coming back into the series, like even like say Barsha or Anderson, um, you know, even Cooper Webb, like he was there for that first round but didn't do all that much. These guys aren't going to pick up that much of their level to join those guys, especially if those guys stay healthy this whole time. They're just going to be three steps ahead this whole whole season, I think. And, yeah, they'll be – unless they're fighting back from a bad start or a crash in turn one, that's going to be them one and two in some order. Yeah, I mean, it's possible for, you know, the people coming back to get up there. But I think until we maybe are seeing someone just trying to conserve, conserve for the championship um, – yeah, I'm not quite sure, apart from, yeah, Ferrandis who will get up there. But then, you know, it only takes one crash or something like that or them to come together when they're battling really close and someone can just ride on straight by. So mm. uh, you never know. Yeah. Now, on Chase too, did you, did you sort of notice his technique in that second moto, especially that second half of that moto? He sort of broke away from his usual smooth relaxed sort of technique look he sort of got a bit more ragged because he was obviously trying to push and get to jet and get past jet um and whereas jet's technique yeah he had there was sort of a moment on that i think it was the second last lap into that stupid right hand up the up the hill there at the back half of the track that jet had that moment but that was about it the rest of the time jet looked like jet but i felt like chase's technique got a bit ragged in that second half, that Moto2. Um, yeah, I can't say I noticed it as much, um, but I think, you know, he's just, he's like, I just can't let this kid, <laughs> can't let this kid beat me like this. And I, you know, like he was, he was trying and he just couldn't, didn't get there in the end. But um, yeah, I can't say I noticed it too much. Yeah, there was just a bit of a, a bit of a chink in the armor there where he normally looks really, you know, prim and proper in the techniques sort of side of things and like he's got time and I just felt that there was a bit of a there was an urgent look to his technique that just sort of started to, to come unraveled a little bit he obviously didn't crash like he did has it done in supercross this year but there was just a sort of a he was moving away from that relaxed look that he normally has so yeah it was interesting to see that because he was obviously under a different pressure and like you said he was trying to not let the kid win so yeah interesting point there now the 250s was a whole different story uh very mixed up in the results across both motos and but somehow hunter was probably the most consistent and obviously won and came out with a 10 point lead already in this championship battle after round one yeah i can't say i saw uh rj winning the first race like he did um just whole shot pretty much and gone i uh, definitely didn't say that but yeah for hunter to come back and um yeah be leading by 10 points it's uh you know they're all chasing him he's the man that everyone's saying is going to win um everyone's just gotta yeah try and try and track him down now 
Yeah, RJ's first moto was was impressive, but not as I feel like the media in in the US at least from you know obviously we listen to different sources during the week after the race to to hear what their thoughts are as well. But I feel like they all think that RJ's made some you know big changes this year and that he's you know a lot more improved, a lot less in, um you know taking the risks as such. But I still watched that first moto. One he tipped over in the corner, but. He just looks like he's always on the ragged edge. He doesn't seem like he's always in control. And obviously, Moto2, he had those three crashes trying to come through the or one at the beginning, one unlucky. The second one was unlucky. The third one where he flew into the berm, that was just wild. Um, I just don't see him actually being able to hold this together for, you know, 22 motos this season. No, and you only got to go back to that race in the mud in Supercross and watch him, you know, whatever you call that <laughs> mud dive whatever mud whatever that was um it's it's still there i think it always will be i can't see him losing that um but yeah he's always trying so hard and he just yeah there's people that can you know you've got jet who can be smooth and then and hunter and then there's him who n- no matter how fast he goes he does not look like he's gonna keep that um, on two wheels. No, it's there's just he's just got a very different approach to his riding style compared to someone like a Hunter or a Jet or a Chase. You know, the those guys have that relaxed, you know, poised positioning on the bike. Whereas, yeah, RJ's just an animal. He's just going for it no matter what the situation. So, but yeah, the results in that class was interesting. It was good to see Max Voland. Uh, stay in second in that first moto, but then obviously have that bad run in in moto two. I, I felt like he's been so close to an overall overall podium for a, a few different times now. He just can't seem to seal two motos in one day. Well, he got a whole shot a few years ago and led, and then the bike blew up. I think that's what I if mean. If I remember, like it was that too. Yeah. So he's had he's been close a couple times now. Yeah, he just yeah can't catch a break, and you know he hasn't had the greatest of Supercross seasons um, the last three years. Um, he is better at the motocross, but yeah, he just he's unlucky. Yeah, definitely. Now I've got some thoughts on Cooper Webb uh, coming off the couch, as everyone seems to believe uh, from from for motocross after that head knock in, in at the end of Supercross there. It's it's interesting for me. Like he's he's obviously very public at that point this this week or the week leading into Parlor about the fact that he only had a couple of motos under his belt because he only got released to ride on the Thursday the week before Parlor happened. But everyone's sort of like, oh, they're all impressed by the fact that he he ran reasonably high up in the motos and didn't seem to have much drop off, but. He's not exactly coming off the couch. Like as much as he had concussion, he's still allowed to train and do exercise in a controlled manner, in a controlled heart rate, so long as he's not electing symptoms that are then progressing the recovery timeframe for the concussion. So he's been able to do stationary cycling, gym work, so long as he's been within a parameters of you know, a, a certain heart rate zone, depending on what stage of the recovery process he's up to and depending on what the specialist says to him. 
So he's not exactly coming off the couch like everybody sort of seems to believe from those, you know, initial interviews there. It's it's funny how these things can be so skewed, but if you actually dig a little deeper into the, into what's happened in the background and what's possible in the background, he he's probably actually been training for quite some time. Now, the other aspect of this is that his heart rate as a professional athlete his heart rate, resting heart rate would be extremely low and it'd take a fair bit for him to get it elevated at all. So those stationary cycle bikes, he'd be able to sit on those things for a couple of hours and keep his heart rate underneath the required zone uh, while he's recovering from a, from a concussion and still be getting a reasonable aerobic workout. So he still has a reasonable aerobic fitness base before he came into this weekend. So to do that 30 plus two and stay in a, in a reasonable, comfortable rate for him in, in terms of a race pace wouldn't be that hard it's if he actually had to push if he got a whole shot and push for four or five laps to stay in front then he might have crumbled but this one this was quite easy for me to watch and to see him do i I don't know if you were in that trap benny and thinking he was you know gonna gonna do worse but he seemed to do all right because of the situation but yeah it's just i find it interesting when you when people don't understand the whole situation about the injury and how he could be back there and doing what he's doing already I think you've got to look at, too, what surprised me was his position. He hasn't done that well in 450 motocross, and I think that was what more surprised me. But, you know, then you've got a heap of guys out as well. So I think not so much him, like, you know, his fitness being there, but the fact that he was that high after past results, I think that was what was more surprising to me than... um, fitness but i mean he's he'd be one of the fittest blokes um there and you know his supercross season wasn't that bad like he's back with alden and everything like that um and they would have been on top of that so yeah with fitness wise that doesn't you know he can do everything that you just said Mm. um so yeah i don't see yeah the fitness being the problem it's just more he had the result itself i think yeah, and like he only had what? He would have had two and a bit weeks off the bike from that crash uh, at the end of Supercross there. So in two and a half weeks off the bike and then he's back on it to do some motos and in that time he's still able to do some some you know general aerobic work, cycling and whatnot. That's what I mean. His, his fitness side of things is not a question for me. He could come out and do it. And yeah, you're mentioning the results, but I think everybody's forgetting that there's like, you know, what? five six of the top guys out at the moment so that's kind of artificially inflated his results but look good good work to him as per usual he's a he's a fighter he's got in there and he's done really well and he's actually on the grid you, you can't take that away from him. he's got a good result because he's there at the start of the he's there at the race many people aren't at the moment so you know you can't say oh he would have got eighth if they were all there because you don't know that they're not there so yeah well done on that but just just trying to put some context to those other other aspects of, of why he might have been able to do what he's done so far. So, yeah, nice work for Cooper, but just there's a bit more to it than just uh, he didn't just quite come off the couch and pull out, was it, fourth and 4-5 or whatever it was that he got at the end there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, 4-5, yep. Yeah. So, look, let's look, look ahead Let's look ahead to this weekend at Hangtown. Um, I quite like Hangtown as a national track. I've been there, raced there. Uh, I think it's actually more of a, a national track than parlor. It's, you know, obviously been around a lot longer on the series and it's not so man-made. So I quite like it. People still whinge about it because it's a hard pack track from a, 
uh, an American, you know, standpoint. It's a hard, hard pack track, but it's not really that hard pack if you've ever ridden it. Uh, it's, it's, it's got a base to it, but it's, it's not like our concrete tracks here on the east coast of Australia. Yeah, I think after last weekend too, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Um, so that, they'll all be ready for it. Um, I think they're just looking forward to getting to the east coast with the some of the better tracks they have over there. Yeah, they're obviously spoilt with tracks for their national series over there and obviously the prep that they get to put into those tracks as well when they're softer. They can, they can rip them deeper, create all those lines and that for whatever reason, the soil over there is is. I don't know how to explain this without sounding stupid because I'm not a you know what do you call the soil people that you know know all about um the ground and geol geologists or whatever it is. I sound probably dumb right now. I'm a physio. I'm not a ground you know earth moving person. But um, their their dirt seems to be denser. Ours is a lot. Um, Ours is clayer, but also lighter. So, like, in terms of an air filter, it'll go through the air filter a lot easier over here than it does over there. So they can actually put not as much water onto the track and it holds better, if that makes sense. So then they can rip it better. They can just prepare the whole scenario a lot better than we can over here for our, for our tracks. And that then creates better racing, especially those East Coast rounds. But even, even like, Parlour looked all right this weekend. They actually seem to get a decent amount of water into it. But Hangtown will be an awesome track. They'll, they'll have that thing, you know, really nicely done. And it's just, like I said, I feel like it's more of a, a national track because it's not so man-made. It's got the natural valley to that track and they use the hills nicely and they and the way it flows up and down and they've got some of those off-cambers in it as well. It, it works out really nicely. I hated when they had that stupid half-pipe in it. I don't know about you, Benny, but I just thought that was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, it was interesting. Um I remember, well, I can't even remember when they had that now, but, yeah, I do remember that. And, um, yeah, it was, there wasn't much room to make a pass. It was pretty one line, but yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting, but I've one year, please. But then I think they did it for three or four in a row there. And it was just, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't, couldn't see the sense in it, but it just took away from the track being natural. But that's what it's gone back to now, which is nice. And they got rid of that massive was it a fly 150 jump they were calling it there for a few years that was huge and like hardly anyone could jump uh, i can't remember you don't remember that one they had that massive jump and it was they've they've cut it down a bit now but it was uh it was heading away from the start line uh and it was a huge i'm sure it was 150 they called it a fly 150 or something you have to look it up it's like three years back i think they had it in there but it's, it's gone now as well. So it's just they've gone back to more of what the Hangtown track is. Uh, and it's an, I, I like it. From a viewing point of view, you can sit on most of those hills on either side of it and see like three quarters of the track. It's an awesome track to view from. Um, you know, I quite enjoyed sitting there watching it when I was there in 2013. Uh, it was an awesome venue to watch from. You saw, like I said, most of the tracks. So you could can keep up with the whole racing the whole way through, it was it was a great place to view from. Yeah, well, speaking of um, jumps, seems as you're not going to be here, and we're jumping ahead a bit. But what about the new run up to the uh, Larocco's Leap? Oh. You'll be there in person. Yeah, you did. I saw that too. It's uh, they've done some rework there at Red Bud, and I think that's going to make things a lot easier for the 250 class. 
Yes, I think it will. It's yeah, a bit uh, bit better run up than what it had before. Yeah, I think you. I think we'll see almost all the four fifty class jumping it, and probably half of the two fifty field making that thing now, if not more. Maybe like the way it's set up, I think. I think you're going to see a lot of guys hanging it out in that that sweeping left hand corner and just taking that jump on, which will be cool, because I hated the fact that only one guy in the 250s on a star bike could be able to jump it, um, except when Alex Martin did it on that RM250, that was pretty impressive. But yeah, that'll be a that'll be a good change, I think, getting more people over that over that jump. Yeah, and we'll have, like I said, we'll have uh, we'll have you on location, and you'll be able to let us know, you know, <laughs> let us know what happens while we can't see. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait to stand there and just watch a couple of guys over that, and just be like, "Holy shit!" Like that is as big as it looks on TV. <laughs> it, uh, you know, you never. It's like Bathurst, unless you've been there, uh, you don't. You know. Your TV just doesn't do it justice. No, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to just see that place in general. But, yeah, let alone stand next to La Rocco's Leap. And I'm hoping at some point on the weekend to be able to, like, stand on the takeoff and look at it and, you know, just be like, holy shit, how far is that and how far up is that sort of thing. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to be there and, and bring some content for everybody too from, from, the, from the weekend. So that'll be awesome as well. We've got the media pass all sorted. So we're uh, backstage access, as they say will be fantastic i'm gonna give you a goal i'm gonna well, give you a goal go. yeah go on <laughs> i want to see your head pop up on the weed show <laughs> <laughs> i will i will take that and i will see what i can do all right weed because he's normally there he's normally doing that at the very death of the day so I plan to still be there, so I will try and find him at that point, and I will get myself in there somehow. A challenge accepted. I don't, I don't even care if you just walk behind him. <laughs> but just you know, just get that shirt on there, show everyone, see how you go. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 do it. I'll I'll see what I can work out. All right, now let's uh let's step back a sec. I got one thing that I noticed in the in the the little bit of prep that I did do for this show. I came across. A guy that got a DNF in Moto One. His name's Robbie, and I don't know how to say the last name because it's Dutch, but it's Phoebe, I guess. Uh, but interestingly, he was at Parlor on Saturday, obviously for the national in the US. He flew home Saturday night, raced Monday at the, at a Dutch Masters race in the Netherlands on a sand track. That's a massive travel weekend. That's a lot of time in the air. Yeah, and like, and, uh, yeah, like how you one, how do you recover while you're on a plane from doing the motos at Parlor to then back up and do motos in the sand in the Netherlands? Like, it's a pretty wild weekend. Hats off to him for pulling it off, but holy shit, that's a lot of effort. Yeah, which uh, did you say he had a DNF? Yeah, I think at DNF Moto One, I've just closed those results a little bit ago. But yeah, it didn't seem. I think he was an alternate, so I don't think he got into Moto Two. Um, but yeah, he um, he was on the list for 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 Moto One, and then I checked his Instagram, and yeah, he had this whole story about going back home for the next race, and 
that's pretty wild. So yeah, interesting, interesting things there that you find out when you're checking out the the back end of the field <laughs> and the results pages there. So yeah. All right, let's um let's make a couple of notes here from the Aussie side of things and the World Supercross side of things. Interesting to note that the World Supercross has finally announced where their Asian round for round three is going to be. They've announced it to be at Singapore this uh, this year, later in September, which will be a nice little addition location for the for the series. Uh, I was curious as to where that Asian round was going to end up, and Singapore, I, I'd, I'd have to say, is a pretty nice venue to be going to and kind of fits in with that whole theme that the WSX guys are going with for, you know, sort of mimicking the Formula One, you know, program in terms of the teams, um, teams layouts and then obviously the venues and going to these higher, uh, what would you say, um, you know, more exciting, expensive venues, let's say, countries and that not. So Singapore is going to be pretty cool. There's going to be some interesting... Interesting media opportunities, I would think, in the days beforehand from the rooftops of these pools and whatnot in these massive buildings over in Singapore. Can we call it exotic? Exotic? That's a, probably a good word for it. Nice. Yeah, let's, let's call it exotic. We'll go with that. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the F1 looks really good um, when it's there. Uh, like you said, rooftop bars and pools and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't see why this... Um, yeah, it would be any different. It'll be, you know, the same sort of setup because that's what they're um, that's what they're going for. So yeah, I think um, there'd probably be plenty to see and do as well. Like you said, with the media opportunities. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of a even a like just a dirt bike race in Singapore. I think they had that. I'm sort of recalling something that I think Swap Moto and Alex Ray did. Did they do a beach race? Was that in Singapore or was that another Asian country that they went to for that last year? But um, uh, yeah, I do remember it, but yeah, I can't. That was before Supercross, just before Supercross, yeah, I think. Was I it? I can't place which country that was, but there hasn't been too many, obviously, things in Singapore before from a dirt bike side of things. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I think it'd be more, if anything, I don't know. Does MotoGP go there? I think it's probably more just a road, you know, F1. Yeah, MotoGP. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, so it's going to be a whole new audience, obviously, from that side of things in there for the dirt bike side of things. So it could bring a lot of interest and a lot of eyeballs. Uh, it could be a complete failure. We don't know, but it's it's kind of cool to have these new venues on the list like this so yeah well done to um adam bailey and the guys at um you know sx global so nice work um just going back to yes it was singapore um beach race that yeah, a ray right. did so they obviously do so, have yes. dirt bike community there and you know obviously put that on in past so yeah nice that they're going to get this opportunity to, to have you know world-class supercross event in a stadium so yeah well done all right, the other news, um, Justin Brayton has confirmed that he's going to do all the three, I say all the three because there is only three Australian Supercross rounds this year, which is awesome. So the defending champ, he'll be coming back to try and get title number six, I think it is this year. Uh, so nice to yep. have Justin Brayton back on the list, mate. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, by now the fans know who he is and, um, you know, he hasn't been racing the American series. 
Um, so yeah, when he, he comes over here and races, you know, we still get to see him race. And with the World Supercross now, the you know, people will be able to see him at other places. But uh, it gives our guys, you know, they can see where they're at. Um, you know, he trains week in, week out um, during Supercross season at Club of Mex and whatnot. And then, um, you know, they get a marker for where they, the Australian guys are against him. Yeah, it's he's a good benchmark. Obviously, he's a he's a world class supercross rider. So yeah, it is awesome to have him in the series. Um, I was I was just trying to find while you were talking. There was something that was a bit I don't know if it was a bit of a joke or tongue in cheek, but have you seen there's a an Australian supercross motocross history pay group on Facebook uh, that's that's doing the rounds. I think you might not have been invited to that one. I was joined it not too recently. And um, they had like a list of the best Australian Supercross riders. Uh, you know, obviously Chad Reed, Michael Byrne, Brett Metcalf. Yeah, they put Justin Brayton on there. So I didn't know if that was a bit tongue in cheek, <laughs> but he is obviously a five-time Australian champ. But I don't think we can claim him as Australian. Yeah, I've seen the page, but I didn't see that. Um, the last few years, he's he's been lucky. Um, like Matt Moss nearly got the championship last year. I think it was a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Tanty was very close earlier on in that season. Um, 2019, Clout lost out at X Open. Uh, he was leading it. So there's, you know, there's been a few times, so I'll be interested to see, you know, how it pans out this year. There's only three races. Um, yeah, but it might be, might be over. Yeah, someone one, might get him one mistake and that could be the end of that that championship hunt with only three rounds so yeah we'll be we'll be a different and a tightly fought after championship i think this year because there's not going to be any room for error and obviously only three rounds means you know not many points to uh to get you over the line for a championship so yeah we'll be interesting to see but yeah great to have justin brayton back and obviously we'll try and catch up with him again when he's here in the rounds for Newcastle, uh, Melbourne, and uh, as Adelaide, isn't it? Uh, I think it is South Australia somewhere there for the third round. Yep. So yeah, be good to have that going. Just disappointed. I don't know about you, Benny, but I'm a bit disappointed in the fact that it's only three rounds this year for the Aussie Supercross. It is a little bit disappointing, um, but you know, I guess three is better than none. Um, I would have liked to have seen Wollongong. Yeah, I've that's the main place I've been. I've never never watched a footy game in Wynn Stadium. It's always been <laughs> motorbikes. That's what it's um, for, yeah. isn't it? Supercross? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, the, that's the right uh, the right use for them. Um, but, yeah, no, usually that's a good stadium, a good track, and, you know, there's a few others that we've had that aren't there anymore. Um but yeah, I guess we'll just have to take the three that we can that get, and um, maybe hopefully next year it'll build up and get some more. Yeah, I like Wind Stadium too. It's kind of awesome with the fact it's got the practice fields right next door that they have the um, the, the all the team trucks end up parking on. So it's a quite a nice nice venue from the pit aspect, the track aspect. It's right in the heart of Wollongong. You know, the beach is right next to it. Um, it's just a yeah, it's a really good stadium for it. So, and obviously they've had the expansions that since you've probably been there, Benny, with the last Supercross, they've had the the extra stadium and stuff put in down the other the the long side of the stadium. Um, 
yeah, so it's a I like that venue. I really like that venue. I wish it was back on the list. But yeah, maybe next year. But we've got three this year, so be happy with what we've got, I guess. Last thing before we move over to our favorite topic of the the podcast. Um Anyone who's on social media at the moment probably follows Dean Wilson. Dean Wilson has had another surgery this past week, but it's not for an injury as such. It's for a second go-round on an arm pump surgery, which is interesting in itself. Um, Dino put up, I, I don't know if you did, Benny. I watched the whole YouTube video today just to see what went on with his surgery. And he actually had the original surgery done by the same doctor back in 2018. Uh, and it's lasted him about two and a half years before he started having arm pump issues again. Uh, so he's decided to go back in and get it done again. Yeah, I haven't had a chance um, to watch it. Um, so I'll, um, yeah, you can explain. I explained the Christian Craig one when he had the elbow fix. So maybe you can uh, explain this one. But yeah, when I get time, I'll go and have a, um, a watch. But yeah, it's, um, yeah. We've all had arm pump, but I'm sure these guys have had it uh, a lot worse than what we've ever had. And when it gets to the point of, you know, trying to surgically fix it, uh, it must be, yeah, pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I've, I've always been a bit 50-50 on the idea of having surgery to do this, you know, fascia release to alleviate the, the symptoms of arm pump because at some point, that will always return and Dino is a case in point that he's had to have it done again but then the second surgery or the third or however many they end up having of these is always more problematic and difficult to to judge the outcome of because you're then dealing with scar tissue from the first one that you're trying to un you know trying to cut through that as well so it becomes quite difficult to get a good outcome so I have to wait and see how this goes for Dino. He's obviously only about a week or two post-surgery um, of having it done. So it must have been bad enough for him to, to want to do it in the first place. Um, was it necessary? Uh, you'll f- find out if it works or not. But especially, too, he's so late in his, in his career to be doing it again. I, I, I would have thought he'd try and work through it. It must have been pretty bad for him to... to do it again. Well, that was, I was just about to say to you, do you think two years ago when he had it done, it was two years ago you just said, mm. um, he may have thought, you know, this will get me through to the end and now, you know, come two years later, there's a bit of World Supercross and he's just signed up to do the three Oz Supercross races as well, I'm pretty sure, mm. um, you know, He's like, oh well, you know, it's get. I can. It's starting to flare up again. I'm going to have to, you know, go in and get it done and try and maybe just cover him for another two years if it lasts that long again. Yeah, I, you're right. I bet he did think that when he did it, that would have solved his problems and that would have been the end of it, and he wouldn't have been doing it again. And maybe he was probably thinking with all these knee issues that he he might not have lasted this long. So, you know, he's obviously had to go and do it again. Because he's still racing and, like you said, signed up for a few things in the in the near future. But I just you think about Dino's injury histories with all the knee injuries, um, any other of the breaks that he's had. I think he's had a couple of collarbones. You know, there's 
There's so many surgeries that Dino's gone through. I just don't see why this one... It must have been really bad forearm pump for him to have to go and do this again because I don't see why he'd want to go through it again. If you watch, if you do watch this YouTube video, they do show the surgery and the post-surgery aspects and they literally are there, you know, they're cutting the, the... It's essentially like a plastic bag wrapped around the muscle belly and they cut that bag open to let the thing expand as far as it potentially can until the skin basically restricts it. So there is still the chance that you cut that... And then you get arm pump later. It just takes a tiny bit longer for it to come on. But there is still that risk. But to do that, they're then sliding the tools up the forearm. And you'll see it in the video. They're, you know, under the skin, moving or cutting out the scar tissue, releasing that fascia. It's not exactly a minor thing. And Dino shows the arms afterwards. They're really swollen. And then a week later, he shows his arms. And the bruising that is in his arms, it's... I, it's hard to explain that it's it's kind of off-putting like to be going through this just for the fact of holding onto a motorcycle. I would surely there's other ways to get around it, and like I know of a few ways to get around it, but he must be he must be desperate if he's gone through this again. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, you know, I suppose you look at you know World Supercross and whatever he might think, you know. I've got a good chance of, you know, getting decent results. I need, you know, I need this done. I need to not have, you know, arm pump problems. So that, you know, that might be where the desperate bit comes into it, but who knows? Yeah, maybe. Look, I, 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 one, of the de- one of the questions I will ask him when I get to see him at World Supercross is, was it worth it or not? <laughs> so we'll have to see how he responds with that one. But I, do, I really do want to get someone like Dino on to the show who's had that, um, forearm, that arm pump surgery done to talk a bit more in person about, you know, the experiences, what led them to doing it, you know, why it was so bad and that, what the things they'd tried to, to undo it. Um, is you know because it is a no small procedure. Like he's off the bike for about three weeks, so it's it's um yeah, it's a decent amount of chunk of time. It'd be a decent chunk of money that he's had to do to to do it as well. So yeah, I'd be curious to see what he thinks about it all. You know, by the time we get to November and World Supercross in Melbourne, be interesting to see how it's all playing out by that stage. So yeah, we'll talk to him a bit more then, if not before, if we can get a hold of him beforehand, we will. All right, let's move on to that favourite topic, Benny. Let's jump into Pulp MX Fantasy League and the Always Moto Fantasy League that started again for motocross. We've had our first round, and look, I got the dub over yourself, but neither of us did very well in this first round. No, not at all. Um, it's it's a bit easier to pick Supercross, like first round of Supercross, you know, I mean, I still didn't do well, um, but it's a lot easier. Whereas motocross, it's a bit different because, you know, all the 250 guys are together. Um, you know, there's 450 guys that aren't in there anymore that only do Supercross. So then you've got, you know, the privateer people and a few others that are, you know, they can come up and surprise you. So it's really hard to, you know, get a, a decent score and pick the right one, especially first go. Yeah, I the, all that is harder. And I also find the fact that the time that the motos are going off 
for us here in Australia makes it even harder for us to, you know, review as well as we'd probably like the the qualifying times and get the right people onto the teams because it's so early in our in the morning for us. It wasn't too bad at Parlour. It's going to get worse with the East Coast rounds that are coming. Um, but yeah, I always find motocross a lot harder than the Supercross series. So, and yeah, Parlour was no different. I had I only got four oh seven for the week. You got three fifty five. Uh, but the scores were, you know, into the 500s and whatnot. So, yeah, we were well off the pace for the opening round, mate. Well, just looking, the first place overall got 604 points. Was that the championship or was that our league? No, no, that's the championship. So yeah. the highest, the highest, um, yeah, the highest position was, yeah, well, the highest score was 604. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah, well, well done to them because we're nowhere near that. But um, look for the for I didn't write down his score, but uh, our winner from Parlour for the Always Moto Fantasy League was Hunter four one three. He got the league win, uh, so congrats to Hunter. Uh, and for A Muffler, he got twenty first, and there's the random prize winner for last week. And thanks to Ryko Australia for that prize. It's uh, on its way out, so that's awesome. Uh, so Matt, who's in our Group chat is A-Ray's muffler. He'll be uh, coming back to a nice prize for that one when he gets gets home for his uh, for his bike, which is awesome. Now, let's um, – this week's prizes, we've got two prizes going off this week. So let's get these things out of the way. Then we'll talk teams for Hangtown. So this week we're going to have a first place overall prize for the league uh, for the round. And we're going to be repurposing because our – Guy who won these prize, this prize from the Supercross overall championship has passed on the prize because of the international postage aspect. So this one, it's going to be the Michelin Australia um, tubes, the 21-inch front and the 18 or 19-inch rear. So whoever gets first this weekend will be winning that prize from Michelin, which is awesome. And our random position that our previous week's winner picks... So the random position from A-Ray's muffler that he's picked is 46th this week. And this week's prize for that random position will be from Rip Clear Australia, and it's that universal goggle lens protection kit that they have for your goggles. So it'll fit on just about any set of goggles, which is awesome. So pretty much anyone's available for this one. Uh, so, yeah, so we've got two prizes going off, Michelin Australia and Rip Clear Australia for first and 46th. So that's our prizes this week. Now... Benny, have you got your teams up ready for Hangtown to be discussed for 250s? Uh, yeah, just quickly though, mm-hmm. uh, Hunter418, that you, uh, three, sorry, that you said, got 18th overall. Oh, wow. And he, and he was, so 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th all had 575. So that's a, that's a very decent effort. Yeah, nice work there, mate. Um, yeah, that's impressive. And also, the reason that Matt picked uh, 46th position is for when AC ran that number back in the day. Uh, that was so. Yeah. That would that yeah. That was his reasoning for uh, 46. Nice. Well, yeah, and that's the we we used that previous prize winner to um, pick that position for the next week just so it's you know completely random and they can pick whatever they want and 
yeah, they lots of times it ends up being somebody's favourite rider's number. So yeah, forty six, uh, an old AC number there from uh, that was his that was his first season, wasn't it? Forty six. He was uh, he had a, had two nine two for his rookie year, but I think forty six might have been the first number he ran in Supercross that year that he dislocated the shoulders in Toronto. But anyway, might be wrong. But yeah, it's around that point. So yeah. All good. All right, let's go into our teams. So, 250 team. Have you got yours ready to go or you want me to go first, Benny? Um, do you want my scores from last, like, rider scores or are we just going nah, straight let's into go, Let's go picks for Hangtown. We both did shit else. Nobody wants to hear our picks from last week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I've got Hayden, Hayden Deegan as my all-star, uh, Levi Kitchen, Jet Reynolds, and Jordan Smith. You've got That's some, my 250 team. You've gone some uh, pretty top, you know, they're all top 15 level guys there. I don't know if you're going to get many points out of those, mate. Uh, well, you know, I, after last week, I picked some guys down the back and that didn't work out for me. So <laughs> how about we just, we'll just try the front people. We're overcorrecting the other direction. Yeah, fair enough. No, that sounds good. Now, I've gone for the 250s, my all-star, I've gone Max Volan because that's his, uh, Hangtown is his home track. So I figure he's going to be on the money and he's a five handicap. I've gone for some mid-range sort of guys here to try and get some some high handicaps that potentially had dodgy rounds at Parlour. So I've got Derek Kelly at a 14 because he had a bad one at Parlour. Josh Varese at a 12. And I've gone Talon Hawkins at an 11. Yeah, all right. That's not too bad. Yeah. So, all right. So let's go straight across the four fifties. I'll go first this time. Uh, so I'm going to go Dylan Ferrandis as my all star because I didn't like the fact that Chase and Jet are zeros. So I've gone Dylan Ferrandis because he's a two, and I feel like he's pretty much right behind those those other two that I just mentioned, and the other ones behind him, Cooper, AP. They're going to be they're going to be pretty much be behind him, I, I think. So. We'll see how that plays out, but uh, I like that one better than, than the other options. I've gone uh, a Luca Marsalisi with a 10, a Christopher Prabula at a 13, and Tristan Lane had a bad one at Parlour, and he's I've put him on my team because he's at a 14, and I think he will do a lot better at Hangtown this week. So we'll see how that plays out for me. But obviously, all these tips potentially change when we see the qualifying things. Now, Benny, your 450 team, mate. Uh, so I've got Sexton as my all-star at the moment. Um, the zero is a little bit sketchy, but we'll just uh, – I, th- I think we'll be right. Even if it's, uh, you know, not just one under top points, we can we can go with that. Um, I've got Derek Drake at a six, Ryan Surratt at a five, and Romain Pape at a 13. You know it's bad when you can't pronounce the guy's name – because you've never heard of him before to pick him for a fantasy tip. <laughs> yep. Oh, we're scraping the barrel, mate. But that's what the 450 class is at the moment. Like, considering we've got uh, Lorenzo LaCurcio and Grant Harlan as all-stars, it's, it's a bit of a hard one to pick from for the 450s. It is. It, you know, it's, it's thinned out. It's, you know, that's just the way it is. Um and, you know, they're normally guys that you would pick that weren't all-stars. So then, you know, you've got to look at 
the next lot of people behind them and try and decide from that lot. Mm. Yeah, it gets it gets hard, especially like you just like we're just giving you a bit of a shit because you couldn't pronounce his name, but you're looking at guys and you don't even know who they are to try and pick for them. You know, you, you've got no no real history of of any results that you can recall. So yeah, it's difficult to pick these people at times. But anyway. It's where we're at in fantasy for motocross at the start of the season with everybody out still from Supercross. All right, let's a uh, couple of housekeeping things here. Just a reminder that if you want to win prizes in this league to be eligible, you have to have sent in your email with your pulp name and your Instagram or whatever social media you have, those names so that we can find you. You have to email to fantasy at alwaysmoto.com so that you're eligible for those prizes. That's the rule. If you haven't done it, prize moves on. And the other thing, if you want to be a part of our Always Moto Fantasy League group chat on Instagram, you need to DM myself at Always Moto or Benny at Grino, G-R-I-N-O, 2-2 on Instagram, and we can add you into that group chat. There's plenty of fun stuff going on in there, plenty of information, a um, bit of shit talking, just good, good general banter. So if you want to be a part of that, you need to send us DM and we can drop you into that group and let you into the wild in there. Uh, and then also, of course, thanks to all the Fantasy League sponsors. And like we said last week, we had these, we've got a few additions for the Motocross League. We've got a couple of the OGs still hanging around, which is awesome. So thanks to Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, Bolt Everywhere, Rip Clear Australia, Ryko Australia, Bendix Australia, and Zach Zane's Co. Motorcycle Repairs. Did I say it right this week or not? Zanesco. Oh, God, I did it wrong again. <laughs> I'm going to let you say that one next week and we'll just, I'll leave it off. But, yes, thanks, Zach, for, for being a part of it as a sponsor of the Always Moto Fantasy League. All right, let's, uh, let's jump over. I'm going to hit – we're just going to keep running through this show tonight. No breaks as such. We're going to go into the emergency department. The emergency department, all the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. You do not want to be on this list. And Benny, you're not on this list, thankfully. I was on it a while ago. I'm off it now, I think. I can think I can class myself as off the list. Um, no longer injured. But we've got a couple to add from Parlour. There actually was surprising, and I think this is because there was hardly anybody there, um, from the, so many being injured from Supercross. But we only had three injuries that I've got recorded here. Uh, I'm still digging around to see if there's a couple of little ones that have you know not popped up just yet in terms of social media posts and whatnot. But there's three main ones that I know of, so we'll quickly run through those. The first one, and it's one that I didn't think I'd be reporting on, and it's Chris Kiefer. Anybody who listens to Pulp will know Chris Kiefer as one of the... Uh, mainstays of that show he was trying to qualify for parlor and he managed to get a quarter of a lap or thereabouts before in qualifying before he ate shit and broke a couple <laughs> of ribs and decided to pee blood so he's obviously knocked his kidneys around there as well um, so he's going to sit out hangtown i believe he was already going to miss hangtown um, because of some of his kids side of things but i dare say the injury would force that anyway but he is going to try and ride thunder valley which is only in two weeks time so we we'll have to see if he's fit and ready for that when it comes around. But that was a pretty interesting story to hear about Kiefer, wasn't it, Benny, from from the stories that he's popped up on social and then obviously hearing about it on Pulp as well. 
Yeah, I was shocked when I, you know, the photo started going around of him being signed up. And, um, yeah, it's not what I expected. But, yeah, to <laughs> to crash the first green lap in, uh, in you know, practice or qualifying, whatever it was, it's uh, not ideal. So, hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll go to Thunder Valley and he'll make it there. We'll have to, yeah, I think everybody wants him to qualify, eh? Like, it's just been a bit of a story. If you follow that podcast at all, it's just, just you just want to see that go go ahead. But I feel for him because I've, I've done similar in terms of crashing on the first lap of a practice session before the day's even started and basically wiped myself out of it. And it's not a good feeling at that point in the morning to be already done <laughs> and you haven't really done anything yet. So... Yeah, I feel sorry for Kiefer, but hopefully he can put it all together and recover enough from those injuries for Thunder Valley to be ready to go and do it properly. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Now, the other ones on the list, Addison Emery. He's been on this list a couple of times in Supercross this year. We had him on the show last year as well for an injury that he had. He managed to dislocate his shoulder in the LCQ race in for the 450 class there at Parlour. Um, but he's already... Back on track this week, riding. He was a bit sore when I checked in with him after his first day back at Paris. But he is going to be racing Hangtown as far as the when I spoke to him yesterday. So he's looking okay. But it's never good when you dislocate a shoulder and then try and ride within a couple of days because you just don't know how strong that thing's going to be. Yeah, well, you only got to look at Grant Harlan. Uh, he dislocated his shoulder and he's been doing really well still. Um, but then, you know, other people, not so much. No, it's 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 very person-dependent and obviously the extra pieces that get torn as it goes out, some people just literally pops out, pops in, and like nothing ever happened. Other people, they destroy everything. So hopefully for Addison, minor. Uh, sounds like it is because he's already riding. But, yeah, Grant Harlan's a good example. He's He's... He's still having issues in terms of things off the bike, and usually that's the case. You end up can't doing things above your head with your shoulder. But surprising, when you're on that bike in that position locked in, you only really have to do sort of a push and a pull. The rest of it isn't really an issue. So he's been able to work around that really nicely. And, yeah, to get, wasn't nine six at Palo, he's doing pretty well considering he only dislocated his shoulder, I think it's less than a month ago. Yeah, I was very surprised. Even you know, coming back the week, uh, the week after he did it, coming back and racing, I think he got his was it ninth in Supercross. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that was interesting. But <clears throat> question: What? How do they put a shoulder back in? <laughs> like what? Uh, yeah, answer. Well, yeah, tell me that. Yeah, that's an inch. That's a because good because. Because I, I've got a way that I'll explain after, um, <laughs> and I and I'll give you my reason for it. But I I want to know what the proper way to do it is. Well, it's not something that you can just one way works for everybody because it depends. There's multiple ways that you can dislocate a shoulder, so you can have it pop out anteriorly where the the humeral head sits in front of the the cup, and you'll feel it like in your pec area. There is an inferior dislocation where it sits low and it's like your arm is hanging. And then there's a posterior one as well where it goes behind your shoulder blade and that's a horrible one. 
But uh, most people, I think it's like 70 or 80% of them are anterior dislocated. And there's a few different ways you can do it. And none of them are good. And ideally, you should always seek medical attention to put it back in. But lots of people will tell you that if you let your arm dangle down straight and if you can sort of bend over forward so that your arm moves away from your body and even sometimes put a weight in your hand, it'll help to sort of traction that arm down. And as you sort of move the arm forward and tilt, lean forward, it'll sort of pop itself back in. And that's the best case scenario because if it doesn't do it straight away like that, you're pretty well screwed. Yeah, so that's similar to what I have seen. Mm-hmm. And so have you heard, your, you heard of, way of doing this? <laughs> have you heard of Josh Sheehan, the Australian X Games FMX I bloke? I have. He many times has done his shoulder. And there's footage, I think you can look it up on YouTube. I actually showed someone just the other day. of He helps a guy... Uh, get his shoulder back into position. So he bends over a little bit, so it sort of goes the same way as you putting weight in your hand. Mm-hmm. And he puts his fingers underneath his toes and pulls back. Yeah, and it, a- and it and it and it and it pops back in. Yeah. Um. And so I've seen them, like I've seen that footage, and that's how he tells everyone to put it back in. Um, but yeah, I didn't actually know the proper way, so that's why well, I thought like I'd I said, but it's the, similar. Yeah, it's similar. Like it's a it's similar idea using like your foot as a as an anchor point to pull it down, and then he's leaning back into it, so it sort of tractions it. But the the difficult part is if he's saying that that's the best way to put a shoulder back in, like I explained before, there's multiple ways that the shoulder can dislocate, and that one technique will work for one person, but it won't work for ten others. So. It's there's no right or wrong way, you know. You can look it up, and people will have videos on how to do it on YouTube. And I wouldn't follow any of them unless it says that they're a, you know, physio or medical, you know, of some description. But yeah, in the end, it's a lot of force to pull it out and put it back in in some way, shape, or form. And preferably, you want to do it while you're sucking on a green whistle, and that usually means that you're in a hospital bed somewhere doing it. So yeah, that's the best way to do it. Uh, but anyway, so all right. So and the last one on our list that we haven't got much information on. It's he's he's hopeless with this, and we'll find out whether he's there or not, or when the Husky press release comes out, probably tomorrow our time. Is Jalik Swall? Now he disappeared in that first moto, holding his left elbow, which is the same area. So he broke that left humerus in the Supercross preseason there. And he's holding that as he was riding off the, the track at Parla after Moto, that Moto 1 crash that he had. So hoping that things are okay and he just maybe jolted everything and maybe he hit on some of that surgical work that has been done in that arm. But there is the risk that he's potentially broken part of that again with that crash. And that would be a bit of a problematic situation for him if he has broken something and there is those plates and screws through that area. It could be quite difficult to fix, but hopefully... He's just bruised something or just got a bit of an electric shock when he's hit that arm on the ground and maybe hit the edge of a plate or a screw head as such So and just got a bit of a jolt from it. But we don't have any more information on that. It's a lot of speculation in that one. But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Jalik at this stage. But didn't look good when he rode off the track on Saturday. 
he, uh, I'm pretty sure he finished the second moto. You sure? Well, he went out for the second moto. I think he went out for the second moto. If I, yeah, 40 20, he went. Did he get 20th? That's yep. impressive considering the fact that he didn't look, he looked horrible when he rode off that, uh, that race and moto one. Yep. So 40, yeah, 40 20. Yeah, I'm just finding that result. Yeah, that's considering he got one point for that weekend. Still, I think he's going through some checks this weekend because there's been nothing on his on his social pages, uh, and the team res, team press release hasn't included him at this stage. So yeah, we'll find out more about that. Like I said, probably tomorrow when the press release comes out, and hopefully he's okay. But he's been pretty tough actually. Like he's had some issues in the last motocross season and still came out and raced. So. There's a chance that he, um, you know, just rides through it. He has missed a lot this season already, and he's missed a fair bit of time with Supercross last year as well with concussions and whatnot too. So hasn't been a great run for Jalik Swall. No, and if he wants to, you know, get into those SMX races, he um, he needs to race. He needs more than one point, that's for sure. And that's all he's got so far. Yeah. Uh, anyway, now some other things that we've got some news on from the recovery path. Uh, we sort of touched on it last week, but it's good to see Austin Faulkner back on the bike. I'm a little bit surprised that he's back on the bike already, uh, but he's he is he is there. It's so good for him. He's obviously done the hard work in the rehab side of things. Uh, I would dare say that he's going to be looking for a mid return mid season return, which is well in advance of where I thought he was going to be, considering the injuries that he had in that opening round of Supercross at Anaheim one, but. We'll have to wait and see. He's obviously back early. Maybe that doesn't plan out as well as he hopes, but let's, fingers crossed, We hopefully we see Austin Faulkner at some point in this season because uh, at the beginning of the year, we are looking like it was going to be not until 2024. So good to see him back on the bike. Now the other... He, uh, sorry, go oh, ahead. So, um, yeah, I think he was going to... He was thinking that he was going to be out longer, but... Um, yeah, back on the bike and we just have to uh, see how that goes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said at the time that it'd be like six to nine months because he had the ACL, but he also had some other damage there as well. So he's back in like not even five and a half months. I think it might have been just on five months. So it's a quick turnaround. Um, I know the ACLs for the Moto guys aren't as... Long of a recovery as, say, you know, a footy player. But, man, it's still quick. And we have to see how he goes with the uh, – see how he goes with the return and whether he can get his fitness back and whether that knee stays stable. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But he's back way earlier and potentially racing this year, which is awesome for the fans. So that's a good thing. Now, also on our list, we've checked in uh, – we had him on the show a while back, Ezra Hastings, his privateer. Uh, we've had him back. He, he had those issues with his knee. He had an ACL repair done and it was done so poorly that the guy had actually missed the screw anchor from the bone and put it into soft tissue. So he's uh, finally had the repair work done. So he had to have the ACL that failed removed. So they had to have that drilled bone drilled out, filled with a bone graft, wait a couple of months for that bone to harden enough that it can be re-drilled back out and a new ACL put back in. So he's finally done all of that. He's about three and a half months post-op with the ACL and he's finally getting to the point where he can do some 
decent exercise or at least start some decent exercise. So we're actually going to be giving him some assistance uh, with some exercise program, which, which will be cool. Uh, and hopefully we'll see him back racing maybe at some point next year. But we'll have to see how it goes because he's had about three years of injury process with this ACL recovery, repair, recovery, repair that he's been going through. So, yeah, bit of a rough trot for him, but good to see things are finally turning around for him at this stage. Uh, now, the other one that's probably of note as well, Justin Barsha. He is actually back on the bike. Not sure exactly when he plans to get back to race, but I'm going to guess it's pretty soon. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to be sitting around waiting, especially this year with the SMX points on offer. Yeah, well, he, you know, it was touch and go apparently to whether he was going to race um, weekend just gone or not. And I think he was just out of that window. So uh, I don't, yeah, I'd say he wouldn't be far away. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to be this weekend, but. I pretty would bet my money he's going to be at least Colorado. So, um, yeah, I don't think he wants to miss too many rounds. He seems pretty keen on getting into this SMX thing and making a bit of money at the end of the season. So that's good for the fans. Um, but, yeah, just hopefully he doesn't come back just too soon and have some other issue go on because, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of the times when these guys come back too quickly, they might not re-injure the thing that sent them out in the first instant, but they might have a crash because of that injury and a, and a bit of a reduced strength that then causes a different injury and can, you know, upset the season further that way. So we'll have to see how it goes, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But hopefully he's just ready to be back. Uh, Christian Craig's another one on that list. He's actually doing pretty well after that elbow surgery. Obviously that dislocated hip isn't an issue. It's gone back in pretty well, uh, which is nice for him. But he's about a couple of weeks away from getting back on the bike after his elbow surgery. And he was mentioning on... Uh, on the pulp show that he was part of this week that he's looking to be back um, sort of that mid to end of the motocross season as well so another one that you know potentially i was thinking might not we we might not see for the rest of this season but sounds like we're actually going to get some of these guys back and i'm hoping this is because of that super motocross uh, point system and they're trying to qualify and make some extra money so i feel like this super motocross season uh, that's been included and combined is finally starting to see. We're finally starting to see that urgency of co- to come back from injury that hasn't been there in the past with these guys, um, you know, because they've just sat out the season and waited until Supercross started or outdoors started uh, when they felt that they had a chance to be ready for a championship again. So hopefully that's what we're seeing here with like guys like Justin Barsha and Christian Craig trying to get back in time, as well as Austin Faulkner. Hopefully he's going to be able to have enough races to qualify in as well. But we'll see how that all plays out. Now, Benny, you've written down Tomac. What's going on, Dave, with Tomac? I don't know. Now, the so when this injury happened, everyone was like, you know, that's it. It's end of, you know, ends of season, everything. Will he come back next year? Will he won't? And now I think everyone's gone and done a little bit of research and heard from other riders and stuff like that. And now they all think he's going to be back. Yeah, I think a- he might be back for SMX races. Just, just It's magic. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, you know, there hasn't been any reports or anything on how he's doing, but it all changes very quickly. Yeah, that's the the thing. They all have no idea what they're talking about when they start making these 
you know, wild claims about the injuries and the recovery times and all that sort of stuff. At least when I've sort of said the timeframes, that's the usual timeframes. But moto guys are always quicker. Um, but even in saying that, the super motocross side of things, uh, what? He had the injury, it was the beginning of May. The super motocross is in October. That's five months from the injury date. So that means he'd have to be back on the bike at four months. A, an Achilles tear is six to nine months. I, you know, I don't see him pushing to be back there for that super motocross. At best, I think we mentioned this in one of the podcasts when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, that at best he's back for, for supercross. But I, I can't see him even really trying to push too hard for that. But maybe he's into the World Supercross Series next year because it's a mid-season start point. But he was already talking about retirement. We, we're all speculating at this point. The injury itself is going to take a long period of time. Whether, whether he actually wants to be back to full racing and afterwards, who knows? He's got to make that decision. He's got to see if he actually can get that uh, Achilles to work in a manner that is actually useful for him to do what he needs to do on a bike. So there's still too many variables and you won't hear from him until probably, I think until about Red Bud time when he'd have to have signed a contract for the next year. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, fair call. Mm, Which, a- yeah, you, you, who knows? There's too many variables at this point, but yeah, like he's not obviously the most outgoing guy and posting on social media about every little thing that happens to him but yeah like the timeline doesn't fit for for an achilles tear for him to be back for super motocross we have seen some like i said moto guys are usually shorter but that's even shorter than short so yeah i just can't see it happening well the other thing is too now he's about they're about to have another kid too so that does that factor into it who knows all those things have got to be taken in the in the play here. And, like, even just him having a kid at the moment makes the time that he would spend just, you know, in the rehab doing exercises maybe just a little bit less and maybe he just enjoys the time with the family a little bit more in these early stages of recovery, which then prolongs his recovery. Like, there's so many factors involved in this. And until you hear from him about how things are going, for all you know, he's got an infection in that thing at the moment that he's dealing with and he can't do any exercise. You don't know, you know, we, we're not sitting there. We haven't seen it. We haven't heard from him to, to know otherwise. It's all speculation. So, but yeah, just knowing an Achilles tear in general, the timeline doesn't fit for super motocross. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be happy to admit that I was wrong if he does turn up there, but I'll be very, very surprised. We'll wait and see. You can bring that up later on in, in, in like the beginning of October when we get a press release that says Eli's riding super motocross and you can be like, Dave, you're a dickhead. <laughs> hey, none of us know. So, you know, until he, until he reports it, yeah. we just keep guessing. Yeah, definitely. Now let's, uh, let's wrap up the emergency department there, but we're going to bring a little issue up here in Dave's diatribe. This is Dave's Diatribe. What's a diatribe? A diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something. So keep your head down. You might be next. You could be next. And this one's an interesting one because 
There was talk over the coverage on the weekend, and you would have heard this, Benny, about Dylan Ferrandez's uh, injury and his concussion and the fact that he had some vision issues and that they're all settled now. And did you notice when they were talking about that that they said that the vision issues were there when he had – and they were in part a reason that he crashed in that Daytona press day crash. Did you hear that stuff, Benny? I did hear that loud and clear. Yeah, it sort of perked my ears up and sort of pissed me off a little bit because I had a little bit of a chat at that time about the fact that Dylan must have passed his concussion protocol and done all the right things to be ready to ride at that stage. And obviously when when he had that second issue, it was fine for him to go out and take the time that he needed to get recovered because obviously that was a second issue. But that that first point, I was very supportive of the fact that he must have passed that concussion protocol. Well, I want to know how the hell he can have vision issues from a concussion and pass concussion protocol and then have a second crash because of those symptoms that are part of that, should have been part of the concussion protocol that he was apparently passed. How does that work? Explain that to me, Benny. So he... I don't have an answer, but <laughs> good. I didn't think you did. I just thought I'd throw it. To you. No, he, he had the concussion obviously the week before, or whenever it was. Houston. Then, yeah. So then they would have got, you know, cleared. Uh, do you think he rode in between that, or yeah, he did. So this was of- this. So if he followed the actual return-to-ride program, on the fifth day he can ride and he has to ride and be able to be symptom-free for him to pass that program, but then he still has to have a physical exam on the day that he returns to, to the track with the Alpine Star Medical Crew, which they go through a couple of baseline tests, which then pisses me off even more because... Did that occur and did that occur properly? Because if he still can't see properly and then has this overjump that he had that then led to this massive crash where he looks like a rag doll attached to the bike, that's not passing concussion protocol in my book. No, and you would think that if he had ridden, the vision problem would have already occurred. You would have thought he'd be dealing with that for those couple of times that he did ride between them because apparently, I believe if the if I remember correctly, the timeline was about three weeks and he had ridden from the second week onwards. So he had a, probably a couple of rides under his belt. So either he didn't tell anybody, which is which is a possible, and maybe where where maybe I'm directing my fire at the wrong point, but there's a there's an issue with this protocol. One, either Dylan t- didn't tell, speak up and talk about his symptoms properly or two, the person assessing him didn't pick up on the symptoms correctly. Um, and yeah, it just... And three, in overall retrospect, this is where I just point out that I think that the concussion protocol is still a bit bit loose and not up to a, a standard that sh- it should be um, for our sport and for the fact that these guys whack their heads in the ground more often than not when they crash. Yeah, there's there's got to be questions uh, questions asked, I guess, especially you know after he has the second crash and hurts himself worse. Um, you know, it could have been ten times worse than what it was. Yeah, so I think he was maybe just in a bit hurry to get get back on track for you know whatever reason. But 
something's gone astray with this concussion protocol and I'm not happy about it. That's why it's Dave's diatribe this week. Um, and hopefully hopefully something like our friends at Helltech with their sensor that's coming here for helmets soon uh, with their G-Force sensors, maybe that will be the answer to solve some of these concussion issues and the concussion protocol issues because at least we'll have a data number that we can say, all right, he's over a 10 Gs. So that means he's out for three weeks. You know what I mean? And if it was five Gs, it's only two weeks or something like that so that so that we can have a better scale as to how this works. But yeah, for now, this, this one just really annoyed me that that was what they were talking about. And I hope that somebody has picked, this, picked up on this other than just me and is actually going to have a look into this protocol between... 2023 and 2024 season but for some reason i doubt it but we'll see what happens well you may find that uh uh who was the new person that was sponsoring was it sponsoring the promo across the new physio bloke or whatever he was there's a little little show there yeah maybe he might maybe he might find something oh god (laughs) don't bring that up don't you're trying to egg me on, aren't you? <laughs> I, I didn't say it didn't say anything. I fast forwarded through the ads at this round because I didn't have much time to see it, and I'll be doing the same this week. But did they have that segment in the in the coverage? Did you watch it all in its entirety? No, I I haven't seen it, so yeah, I can't I comment. Can't on it. say I noticed in the fast forwarding, so hopefully I missed it, and hopefully he doesn't actually show up. But when he does, I'm sure I'll have something to say. But let's leave that one off the <laughs> off the list for now. All right. All right. <laughs> I like how you tried to slip that in there, but anyway, moving on. Let's uh, let's have a quick. I've just got one final thing. We're going to do our weekly product inspection highlight, and that's, I'm actually re-highlighting something here. I've been doing some content creation over the last few days for Force Accessories, trying to put together some video uh, on their protection pieces for, for the bikes. But uh, at the same time, it's been making me look at the Michelin Starcross 6s that, I've been, uh, that, that we released that inspection for recently. And I'm just going to re-highlight those Starcross 6s and the fact that we've got a medium-hard compound tyre on the bike at the moment. And... The reason I bring up the four accessories things, I was going through, I don't know if you know, Benny, but I've got an enduro cross track at my place. It's a pretty big man-made thing. I've got like, you know, the tires, I've got the rock piles, I've got the log matrixes, uh, I've got a log pyramid, I've got a, a, a cut timber pit. It's a pretty intense little track. But I was running back and forth in the, the rock pile trying to get some shots and some video for this upcoming force accessories thing. And I've been saying how in the, in the Starcross 6 inspection that I did last week, I think it was that it went up, uh, how well the rear tyre has been wearing and how it's barely got any wear on it after about eight hours, which is pretty ridiculous. Like most tyres will wear or slice a knob in that time. I'm gonna, I assume your experience is similar with tyres, Benny. Uh, yeah, I can't say I ride tracks like that. Um, like that, I'm not even going to say what I think that your track is, because that's just not what I ride. But that's okay. Enduro <laughs> 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 people are enduro uh, people are crazy, but yes, yeah. uh, it does happen. 
Yeah, yeah. But like, so this thing, like I went back and forth through this rock pile for about 15 minutes pretty consistently and I can't even tell that that rear tyre is wearing. Like the thing is, it's stupidly impressive right now. I can't believe how well it's worn because like normally by now I would have the edges of that thing chopped off. There'd be, you know, pieces missing out of it everywhere from the rock and it looks... It looks pretty much brand new. I can't believe it, to be honest. So, yeah, I just thought I'd re-highlight that Michelin Star Cross 6 because I'm super impressed with that rear tyre at the moment. I can't believe how well it's lasting. I just want to actually try and get a medium soft and see how it lasts because if it lasts as good as this medium hard is, man, that thing's going to be even better. That tyre's going to be even better because it's going to have more grip than I'm going to know what to do with. So, yeah, pretty impressed with this new Star Cross 6 range. So, yeah, just thought I'd bring that back up one more time here in the inspection highlights this week. Now, I think that's all, Benny. How are we done tonight, mate? You got anything else to add before we leave the show here? Uh, not that I can think of. Not anything that we would uh, be repeating ourselves with. <laughs> well, that was a great way to end the show, mate. So thank you for the, uh, that contribution. It was, it was perfect. So it's been a good show. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. And don't forget, we've got to get those T-shirt orders into our email at info at alwaysmoto.com. You need to follow us on the social media pages to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. You've got to search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. And while we're doing that one, we should point out that the, the contractor here has his own Twitter page. So you search Always Moto Contractor and you'll find him there as well. So you can interact with him over on Twitter as well. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. And if you, uh, your podcast app allows, leave us a rating. Benny, what podcast platform do you listen to your podcast through? Is it Spotify or something? Uh, my, no, mine's just through uh, Apple Apple Podcasts. And does that one allow you to leave a rating? Yep, and I sure have done that. Oh, and uh, le- even, even left a review too. Oh, geez, I have to go and check that out. That might, we might have to put that up somewhere. But, yeah, that's what we want from everybody listening right now. So if you can, pause it, go and leave that rating, uh, and then you can check out the last five seconds of the show after that. But, yeah, so don't forget to check out as well. We've got our written content over at fullnoise.com.au and soon to have some more stuff coming here on alwaysmoto.com as soon as possible. We're just waiting on some bits with that sh- web page coming together. And we can check out our video content over at YouTube, our YouTube channel there. Just search Always Moto on there and you'll find us. So like and subscribe to that as well. But that's it for this show. It's episode, what was the episode number, Benny? 63. Thank you for correcting me. But that's it for episode 63. Thanks to Slantboard Guy. Thanks to Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to our Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre, Goat Brand MX, Thor MX Australia, Michelin Australia, Ringmaster Images, Helltech Australia, Bolt Everywhere, Rip Clear Australia, Ryko Australia, and Bendix Australia, as well as Zach Zanesco Motorcycle there we Repairs. Go. I'm glad you're paying attention. Thanks to the Always Motor Contractor for, for correcting my, my stuff ups tonight. Thanks for coming on, mate, as always. That's all right. Thank you. And thanks Just, to you. Uh, how much? How much longer is the uh, the L plates are gonna stay on? Do you which reckon? L, which L plates? How, how, the, the the contractor. How long do you reckon the contractor still has? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we might have to put a vote or poll out or something on Twitter for that one. But we'll we'll get to that one in time. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. 
All right. Thanks, guys and girls, for listening. Let's leave it there. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick.